It was a tough night for the Phoenix Suns and their fans Sunday night. We've had a day to think, how can this translate to positivity regarding mindset strength for the Arizona Cardinals? Plus, Mike Golick Jr. is going to join me for two segments. Giddy up. You are locked on Cardinals. Your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, it's Alex Clancy. I'm your host of Locked On Cardinals. Follow me on Twitter, Clancy's Corner. Follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. Uh, please subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Thank you for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen each and every day, free and available on all platforms. Mike Golding Jr., Thick Six himself, is going to join me for the next two segments. We're going to talk Arizona Cardinals offseason. And then the final segment, I want to pick his brain about the offensive line. I want to hear from a guy that played offensive line in college, He's been around the NFL game for a long time. What his thoughts are about the importance of the interior of the offensive line specifically. And I'm going to ask him about his love for Rodney Hudson because I know he played center in college and I know that he's probably got some mad love for the all pro Rodney Hudson. I teased during the cold open about the Phoenix Suns. Like this isn't a pile on at, at all. And it's not going to be even, you know, 0.1%. Brendan Clean does a great job over at Locked On Suns. I texted him. Uh, he was as surprised as everybody what happened on Sunday night when the Suns got ran out of their own gym in game seven after being up three, two. Now this isn't, that's the end of it. Um, but this is something that as Arizona Cardinals players, I'm assuming that, you know, they have some sort of tie, some sort of hometown love for the Phoenix Suns, regardless of where, you know, they grew up or where their, where their loyalties lie elsewhere that they keep to themselves about their favorite teams, watching a hometown team lose the way in which they did on the heels of the Arizona Cardinals losing the way in which they did against the Rams in the playoffs last year, it's going to resonate. Both are going to resonate by osmosis, maybe, but tangentially, even though the Suns don't have a direct correlation to the Arizona Cardinals, besides playing for the, you know, the, the, the teams of the same city, that's got to reverberate around the Arizona Cardinals locker room in some capacity. Like, okay, what happened to us, I'm talking about the Cardinals. What as an Arizona Cardinal, what happened to us wasn't great last year. Started hot, started 10 and 2, and then went out the way that we did. Again, talking as Arizona Cardinal, not me. I'm not a I don't talk in in, in the we uh pronoun uh when it comes to the team that I, you know, cover or whatever. And then you see what happened with the Suns in game seven. It's like Okay, so say the downfall of last year and the and the uh, the playoff game loss was, uh, let's say it was a wedding cake. Okay, let's say it was a wedding cake. All right, all the way four layers, however many layer cakes the damn wedding things are. And the Suns' loss last night was like the floral frosting on the bottom layer. So it wasn't like, you know, the husband and wife on top. It wasn't the icing on the cake. It wasn't a focal point of said uh, wedding cake of the memory of, of, of last year's playoff loss. But it was a floral frosting arrangement on the bottom level of the wedding cake. It was something that Cardinals will think about 
but not be in the forefront of their mind. Like, oh, it was like having some sort of retroactive, one of those feelings, watching the Suns and then thinking about the Cardinals. Now, this is going to be a different year. It seems like Kyler Murray, it doesn't seem like, Kyler Murray is a year older. Okay, DeAndre Hopkins is out for the first six weeks. Their schedule is more difficult than last year. But that's not to say that this Cardinals team can't expound upon how they started last year. Maybe not start as hot, because you can't start harder than 7-0 through the first seven weeks. Um, but what they can do is maybe have the valleys be a little bit shallower and have the peaks be a little bit, or, or be as high as they were last year. That'd be ideal. Alex Clancy, Locked on Cardinals. Coming up next, Mike Golden Jr. is going to join me. It's going to be good. That's next, Locked on Cardinals. First, Bilt Bar. Another thing that's good is Bilt Bar. 15 grams of protein, or 18 grams of protein, 150 calories, only 9 grams of sugar. That's what makes up the birthday cake puff that is the new amazing flavor by Bill Bar. Now, it's not new, but they're featuring it at this point, okay? It's like eating birthday cake. It truly is. I had one earlier this morning. 15, 18 grams of protein, 9 grams of sugar. Like, it, it, it's everything you want in a protein bar. And all built puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. This means that with built, you can eat healthily and actually enjoy doing it. And they're making, uh, they're made with collagen protein, which your body absor- uh, absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Go to built.com to get birthday cake puffs now. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, second segment, Locked On Cardinals. Follow me on Twitter, Clancy's Corner. Follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. I'm trying to remove the memory of the Game 7 loss from your cerebellum. If you're Suns fans, um, unfortunately, there's a lot of similarities, as I talked about in the first segment, with how the Cardinals season ended and the Suns season unceremoniously ended last night, even though not directly correlated. But I'm I'm here to breathe positivity. I'm here to do it. I know I get a lot of mess for not being positive all the time. There's one guy that I'm going to bring on right now. Um, agree, disagree with his food takes. This dude knows football more than most. Uh, Mike Golick Jr., formerly of the Four Letter Network, now doing big stuff over at DraftKings. Uh, dude, the Gojo Show, great podcast. Thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Alex. I appreciate it. And yeah, the food takes are under fire. Condiment tears have really gotten me in the internet's hot water. But listen, I have put a lifetime of work into being a big person, and I have to put that experience to use when I have the opportunity. Yeah, you know, of course. Absolutely. I might go junior on Twitter. So um, you are the third in the trifecta of people that I've brought on that I've, you know, that I've watched over the years. Trevor Sikkim is one of my good friends. I know that, that you and him are close. And um He's, I, I put him in the category, if we're going to do the echelons as sweetest to meanest, he's always in the 0.1% of sweetest people alive. And what he did was come on and eviscerate the Cardinals offseason. And I, I asked him after, like, Trev, what's up, bro? Is your dog sick? What the hell is going on here? And then I had Mina Kimes, another top 0.1%, even though she's a little bit more sharp-tongued than Trevor, eviscerate the Cardinals offseason. I want to, before you give me your initial, your, your real, like, Pure thoughts. Let's sugarcoat what's happened this this offseason with the Cardinals. Kyler Murray versus the Arizona Cardinals. Not ideal. I want to know where you, where you land on that. And then the draft, let's just say, didn't necessarily play the hits with what the Cardinals needed on their roster. Tell me, positive first, then from a national media member, all, all BS aside, what you truly think about the offseason for the Cardinals so far. 
Yeah, um, positive spin. You appear to have gotten past that Kyler versus the team moment in this offseason that kind of dominated headlines. And I know the Chargers social media team had some fun with that in their schedule release video, but that was a big deal. And for a while, I was the first person to look at that and say, I thought it was a marketing ploy, deleting all the stuff from the Instagram. But it seems like there's some genuine tension with this team star player and the direction of the franchise and all the above. And so I don't think it can be overstated how important that is. You know, if you're going to look at something in the way of positivity, going and getting him Hollywood Brown after, you know, you had lost Christian Kirk to free agency in one of the more perplexing offseason deals there had been. So you could maybe spin all of that as a positive note for a team that now is going to be without its best player for the first six games of the season, or, you know, one of the guys you could consider the best player in DeAndre Hopkins. So I would say just weathering that storm probably, you know, counts for a fair amount if we're going to look at this very glass half full in this and say, all right, well, you've had all that happen. You've got Kyler at least content for right now and going into this season. And for a team that has struggled down the back half of the year, you will now get a rested DeAndre Hopkins heading into that portion of the season. So maybe there's some hope in that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And, and with the schedule release on top of that, uh, Mike Gola Jr. joining me here on, on uh, Locked on Cardinals. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Clancy's Corner. Follow him. Great follow, Mike Gola Jr. I mean, it's really potpourri. You know, you're a Jeopardy potpourri of a Twitter follow. You never really know what's going to come out next, but it's always fun. Like, the reason why I like it, you know, the reason why I like where you're – because building a Twitter presence is very difficult. People don't think it is, and it's – like, I went to – just a little name drop here, but I played basketball again to become – in high school with Josiah Johnson. So, King Josiah – like, I see some – I see some Joe in you where it's just like there's just another level of necessary – indifference and boldness with Twitter while having fun at the same time, which is a tough thing to build. So I, I, I give you, I give you credit with that for sure. I mean, you know, but you know, like people that are good at things have an inclination that like, listen, like you could set it to be like, man, I crushed that. I say that to myself sometimes, you know exactly what I'm oh, talking yeah. about, but oh, it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful feeling. I was actually talking to Josiah about that the other day of, just that feeling kind of like when a shot leaves your hands when you're playing basketball or, you know, when you just nail a play the right way in football, I'm sure for a quarterback, when a pass leaves their hands, you do know sometimes. I mean, what has happened to our 16 year old self where this is what we get excited about now? I, mean, I, don't, know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the hell has happened, but so, yeah. So the Cardinals offseason has been an interesting one. You're right. It seems like they've gotten past, um, past the line of, of no return with Kyler, where he's going to be the quarterback for the future. Blah, blah. We don't know anything when it comes to Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell though. With the schedule release, like I was, I was like, listen, the Cardinals need to sign a wide receiver if it's murderer's row in the first six weeks. And you look at Kansas City at home, Vegas on the road, and then the Rams at home. It's close, but then they have, you know, a, a winnable six game stretch. How important is DeAndre Hopkins to this roster? And do you think that, like, because I know that you don't watch him all as closely as I do, but hasn't had 10 touchdowns since he's been an Arizona Cardinal. The usage has, plummeted compared to what Deshaun Watson did with him in Houston is he important enough to to bring somebody on without him in his stead for the first six weeks and I, like I, I don't I don't know what to maybe I'm too close to the situation I don't know yeah I, I would say this I, I still think DeAndre Hopkins bends the field in a way that really helps and aids everyone else in that you know I, I understand 
Cliff system and, and what, you know, his version of the air raid is supposed to do might mitigate some of that. But at the end of the day, the NFL is much more of a Jimmy's and Joe's game than college football is. I'd say you can get away with scheming some stuff in college football that's benefited around one or two players, but there's a lot more experimenting that goes on there. You need the dudes. And even if the top end production hasn't been there, which I would say has been in large part due to some of the similar problems that Hopkins and those offenses saw in Houston early on there, not always being able to protect your quarterback in a way that's up to snuff. Certainly things sputtering down the stretch, maybe a lack of creativity from your coordinator as the season goes on. So I still think he's that guy. The problem is like the idea of, bringing someone in in his stead, who are you going to find there that's out on the street right now that might actually be able to accomplish that said same thing? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, talent-wise, has still been one of the best in the league for a while. And as you see, you know, guys come off the board, different signings that are already happening. Jarvis Landry most recently heading down mm-hmm. to New Orleans that he knows super well. I don't know how many guys like that are left even in an NFL that's got a super, I think, big surplus at wide receiver right now, talent-wise. Yeah, and I mean, you think it's going to be Hollywood Brown, you'd hope, because that's the whole idea of why they punted on drafting uh, an edge rusher, an interior offensive lineman, a run blocker, and a corner to trade for Kyler Murray's number one wide receiver six years ago. Alex Clancy, locked on Cardinals. Mike Golick Jr., all over, formerly of the Four Letter Network, now with DraftKings doing the Gojo podcast. Oh, and ask Josiah Johnson, who knocked him out of the playoffs his senior year. Just ask him. Who, who dropped six threes on his team, um, who had no business beating him. That, that may or may not have been me. Uh, coming up next, this guy played offensive line. This guy knows the offensive line more than most. There's a thick six thing. There's a theme that we're going to talk about towards the end as well, because I do want to pub some good stuff that you're doing uh, with this specific charity. Alex Lanty locked on Cardinals with Mike Gulley Jr. Uh, we're going to finish it up next segment. First, rockauto.com. I don't know anything about cars. I got the sports gene. I don't know if the Golic family knows about cars or not. Um, but I like I don't want to go to a chain storefront. I don't want to have to ask this sir or ma'am behind the counter, hey, help me. I'm like a lost child looking for candy. I don't know how to fix my car. Help me. Rockauto.com's got you covered. You can just get in your jammies, man, and they, you know, just type in what you need, paint tail lamps, whatever, go to rockauto.com. The prices are reliably low. They're a family-owned business. They've been online for 20 years. They're like Olive Garden, man. They're family. They're not going to upcharge you because you are the aforementioned family. Go to rockauto.com, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, final segment, Locked on Cardinals. Um, Mike Golick Jr. joining me at Mike Golick Jr. I mean, it is a pretty big flex, even though there's a junior at the end to have the no number necessary. Like Mina was the same thing. How can you just flex an at Mina Kimes on Twitter without a 4-6-2.9 at the end? I will say, I think I lose that battle, which has been a theme of my life, to my own father, whose Twitter handle is now just at Golick. He's got nothing else around it. He is just at Golick. And so in the world where one letter were, or one word names obviously get you up into a higher plane of existence and notoriety, I, I think he has both earned that, but still somehow feels like a flex. I mean, there's, I mean, there's had to be a black market deal. Like, yeah, Golick's great, but I mean, come on. I mean, nobody's got it in life that easy. Okay. So um, Cardinals have had an interesting off season. Um, it seems like the rest of the NFL has gotten better and the Cardinals seems to have, kind of move things around a little bit. They're a little bit more top heavy, which is what we've seen in the Steve Kime era. Uh, I, I want to pivot here to the offensive line. This is for 
the nerds in in the in the stands because I've become mesmerized by Rodney Hudson. I've become mesmerized by DJ Humphreys, and I've become mesmerized by Kelvin Beecham, all coming to the Arizona Cardinals in very different ways. Kelvin Beecham was a scrap heap, quote-unquote, signing a couple years ago, one year, two mil, and has really shore up the bookend alongside the, uh, DJ Humphreys. DJ Humphreys was probably the best signing numbers-wise that Steve Kime has made in his tenure, three-year under 30 mil. The dude's been very, very serviceable as left tackle. And Rodney Hudson, I'm sure you get – you know, googly-eyed over as a center as being an all-pro who was voided, his contract was voided by the Raiders. And then Steve Kime's like, hey, man, I don't want to give that guy 50 mil, take a third-round pick instead. So they unvoided it and traded him, and they, um, they uh, you know, extended his contract, and he's, he'll be a Cardinal for the next couple of years. First of all, tell me how important Rodney Hudson is to people that only really watch the ball when, when they're watching football. Yeah, uh, especially, you know, as we'll talk about with the quarterback of Kyler's stature, the dictation to the offensive line, to the different positions on that group. I played center and guard, so I played along the interior, and it was always was we control the depth of the pocket and the tackles control the width of the pocket. So we got to keep everyone up near the line of scrimmage so there's plenty of space for the young quarterback and a smaller quarterback to operate because it helps with throwing lanes, the sight lines to receivers. Like you're in charge of clearing out all that space and pass protection and trying to create those lanes with the way that you go, help each other inside, all those things. And so to one, have a guy as capable of going and getting them blocked up as Rodney is huge. But also, too, just experience and savvy. That's a position that's generally in charge of a lot of what you do communication-wise up front, deciding which linebacker is going to be allotted in protection, making sure the running backs are on the same page with that, with how they fit, that the quarterback knows what the deal is, being a mental resource to the quarterback, both in-game and during the week, making sure you both see that defense the same way and understand, hey, this is what we're going to get. This is what we expect in certain situations and formations. So having a guy of Rodney's caliber at that spot for a quarterback that was, you know, a young player coming into this league is obviously on the hunt for a second contract now is massive, can't be overstated. And I was amazed that the situation in Vegas played out the way it did because of how valuable he is. Yeah, he seemed to be a collateral damage for whatever the hell was going on over there with obviously Gruden for different reasons and then Mayock. And at the time, I mean, Mayock seemed like the home run. This is the Billy Bean of the NFL, especially, you know, in draft capabilities with, with his knowledge. I mean, I don't know if you were on those calls with Mayock, the three and a half hour, just like, how are you a human being? But yeah, I mean, the Cardinals reap the benefits. Now, on the interior, Justin Pugh has been serviceable. He's been fine when healthy as left guard coming over from New York, okay? I was pounding the table for Zion Johnson. Obviously, his draft stock catapulted towards the last couple weeks after the Senior Bowl, after the Combine. He was no longer a secret out of Boston College. Now, I need you to explain to me and others why having – I call Rodney Hudson the spine. This is very rudimentary, the spine of the offensive line, and you have the guys at, at tackle who are serviceable. But explain, please, to people – why it makes the tackles and centers job harder when the guards aren't able to be up to par with the rest of the talent of others. Yeah, well, and I'd say this, you're right talking about the spine because I think as we spend so much time talking about how football is sort of morphing around the different talent that's entered the league and some of the different things that you've seen offenses and defenses morph into – as the league has spread out, the spine has become even more important. We talk about that relative to safeties, linebackers, and interior D linemen on defense. 
but I think that's translated to the interior on offense. You know, we saw that when Zach Martin came into the league, when Quentin Nelson, you know, I use the Notre Dame guys as examples, but they each in their own way sort of felt like an evolution of that process and the importance that we placed on capital at those positions. And so guard sort of the gateway to both the groups that you just described, right? For the center, you're always getting help. That's why that position at times is looked at a little bit differently because you always have help from somebody on almost every given play. The tackles are kind of the same way. You're supposed to really be on an island isolated out there, but how much help you can give to everyone else then has that ripple effect dictated by the guards. And especially now in an NFL where you're going to see lighter boxes on defense, more bodies allocated to the outside, and maybe on offense, more spread out formations, trying to take advantage of the full depth and breadth of the field. Now you task these guys on the interior with a little more in the ways of one-on-one pass protection. We've seen defenses since the New York Giants era of that NASCAR package load up on draft picks, try and get guys, I mean, hell, especially in this division, you've seen pass rushers across the board try and go light and create mismatches on the interior. So when you've got a guy that's a capable pass protector one-on-one as some of those lighter bodies come on, it allows you to go and you know always give help to the guys that were more like me, that are right along the average, right along the median as far as players there. And so while you can debate the importance on the offensive line of having one dominant player and a bunch of other guys that might be below the line of demarcation versus more guys closer to average, I always think you got to kind of have one or two guys you can really count on so that you can allocate help to those other places because in a spread league, pass protection in drop back passing becomes an even bigger premium paid. And when you've got guys with one-on-one ability like Zion Johnson who can go out there and lock their man down, I think the ripple effect for the rest of the offense, and especially when we're, again, we talk about a shorter mobile quarterback, all of those things are felt in a big way. Yeah, that might go in, Junior. Really well put. One more here, um, and it, it transitions very nicely to what I wanted to ask you last. Is the offensive line, especially with everything that you just said, still the most important position group in football? Or is it more malleable, more flexible to work around a lesser than, and I'm not saying the Cardinals offensive line is lesser than, but you know, below average, a C minus offensive line where, you know, the nineties Cowboys would have been nothing without it. Like, are we moving away from the offensive line needing to be the most important uh, position group? Well, I I think it, depends on what you mean by that right most important in are you allocating the vast majority of your resources Mm. to it big time second contracts first round draft picks the way that those cowboys lines from like 2014 to 2016 did with all those first rounders there i i think it's still the most important unit for overall team health like what the Cincinnati Bengals did last year as a gross outlier. Yeah, Your quarterback sure. normally isn't going to physically survive <laughs> being sacked, like not even just hit, sacked over 60 times over the course of a long season. And so I think that's a pretty gross outlier. It's important in that if you don't have that set to at least, like you said, an average level, I think you put the valuable pieces of your team, the ones you're going to spend a ton of money on in the quarterback spot, you put them at risk physically in a way that subverts your entire franchise. And so I always think there's going to be importance there. Again, 
We can debate if it's better to go after a bunch of above average guys versus trying to hang your hat on some bell cows. But I also believe that with the current constraints of the NFL offseason, fewer two-a-days than we had you know, a decade, right. two decades ago, less time on the field during the offseason program, it's a harder position to develop unless you've got one of the handful of really good offensive line coaches in the league. And I'm not sure there's that many that teams can count on developing guys with those constraints. And so I think it is worth it at this point to pay the premium for blue chip guys that come out of college programs known for developing that position, known for putting guys that are both technically and physically ready on the field. When you think Iowa, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Alabama, Georgia, some of those traditional schools that have had those guys – if you need a guy to come in and get on the field sooner, I think you're going to have to pay a bit of a tax for that based on the current landscape of offensive line development starting from high school going up to the NFL. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Joe Burrow looked like Willie Beeman when he gave up on his team in any given Sunday. He just got – so that was eight sacks in one game. Yeah, you're right because that's – it's the Jamar Chase and the offensive line. The fact they made the Super Bowl was absolutely unbelievable. T. Higgins got – so much less credit than he should have uh, with how he performs the wide receiver position. Uh, Mike Golick at Mike Golick Jr. on Twitter, one of the best in the business. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow him at Mike Golick Jr. Um, I want to get into this stick six before we get out of here. Um, I don't know. Did you, I mean, is it is it fuzzy math with, with who came up with that? Or was that you? Like, don't, don't be bashful here. Um, you know, I'll take the credit for it. I yeah. think it's one of those things that, uh, just happened really naturally when I was doing a digital show like two years ago and it, it sort of grew from there. Like I have to give a lot of credit to Jeff Schwartz, to Chris Long, to a lot of the other guys that really started pointing it out, kept, you know, what, you know, we can call the movement going to the <laughs> point where, you know, we got to this point where all of a sudden it was showing up on college game day signs. I had actually Field Gates, the ESPN NFL insider, mm -hmm. show me, you know, the league sends out like their little memos of what happened during the last week, the news and notes. And when they used Thick Six under official NFL letterhead, I was like, all right, we've really gotten somewhere. But yeah, I I'll take the credit for the origin story at this point for my broken internet brain just barfing <laughs> out something that was kind of fat. No, it's hysterical. I mean, it's it's anytime a big man scores a touchdown. That's what a thick six is for those that haven't heard it yet. And is there a charity tied to it with the t-shirts that you put together now? Yeah, so I, I was really fortunate. The folks over at Home Field Apparel who are, you know, I, in my opinion, the finest collegiate apparel uh, maker this side of any sort of line of demarcation. They're incredible. They are the good brand. They have done so good and so right by so many colleges. They partnered with me to celebrate the Thick Six, celebrate large excellence, as I've dubbed it, and those big man touchdowns while also doing some good. So we did pre-orders for the Thick Six shirts on Homefield's uh, website. All of the proceeds for that, 100% of them went towards Feeding America. So while you look good supporting big people, you are also doing the thing that I, I think should be central to a lot of us, which is helping put food on the plates of those in needs. Food insecurity is far too big a part of life for far too many people in this country. And so being able to put a, a slight dent in that was awesome. The support from everybody around that community was awesome. And I can't thank Homefield and everyone who ordered a shirt enough for helping in that cause. Hell yeah. At my go junior on, on Twitter. Um, so you've got some homework, Allie Bronson, you may want to check out her, the pic, the, the pictures that I got of you before this interview. You may want to check your girl, okay? 
You may want to check your girl. Mike Golick Jr., thanks so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate that. Tell Allie I said hi. I know if anyone's got the dirt on me, it's her for sure. Alex Lancy, Locked on Cardinals. I'll talk to you tomorrow.